Hey, it's Daryl. As we get started, I wanted to let you know about a new course that I just released last month, and it is called Helping Others Grow. And if you are interested, uh, I want to give you a special coupon for podcast listeners, and the code is PODCAST21, PODCAST21, and that will get you $10 off the course Helping Others Grow. If you're interested, go to gospelforlife.com, and you can find out more information there. Okay, that's it. Let's get started. Welcome to the Gospel for Life podcast. We help churches make disciples. And now, here's your host, Daryl Dash. Well, welcome back to the Gospel for Life podcast. Today, I want to talk about limits of building rest into our lives, of simplifying and prioritizing what matters most. We are told that freedom and opportunity is our ticket to the good life. Get out there and follow your dreams. Be the hero of your own story. Find your happiness. Live your best life. It seems that limitless possibilities await anyone with vision and willingness to hustle the way through life. But the thing is, instead of resulting in a sense of accomplishment, we get tired. This <laughs> limitless way of living merely has us doing more and trying harder, leaving us feeling depleted and dissatisfied with life and faith. And Ashley Hales has written a book about a better way, a more spacious life. Contrary to what we believed, the spacious life is not found in unfettered options or accomplished by our hustle and hurry. The life we crave is found within the confines of God's loving limits. Ashley helps us recognize that when we live within these boundaries, we discover a life filled with purpose, joy, and rest. And I'm so excited about her book. I've been reading it and have been really appreciating it. I need this book. <laughs> it's an invitation to a different way of living. So if you don't know Ashley Hales, she is a skilled writer. She's a speaker and host of the Finding Holy podcast. And she's somebody I've grown to appreciate. Uh, her and her husband are doing a good work. And uh, I'm so glad she's on the podcast today. So Ashley, welcome. Thank you. It's so fun to be with you, Daryl. Ashley, why are we all so exhausted? <laughs> <laughs> well, which of the 101 you know, reasons? You know, I think a lot of our exhaustion isn't simply about how full our calendars are, but this sort of sense that what we do is who we are and we have to constantly keep kind of recreating our lives and curating our lives and we have to keep like hustling to show we're worthy of love and belonging and that is not the gospel way. <laughs> that is maybe the American way or definitely the Western way. And we really lose out on the gifts that God has for us and for our communities when we choose instead to, to try to earn for ourselves the things that we've already been given by God. It sounds really like, I mean, the, all the Disney things, right? Like you yeah. can do anything it, and no, don't let anybody hold you back. Right, right. Yes. Just so look inside yourself and like find out who you are and only you can tell yourself who you are and then you have to tell everyone who you are. Yeah. So why doesn't that work? I mean, if it's not a, the biblical message. Why right. does that seem to be so enticing and yet it, it doesn't deliver? Yeah, that's so true. I mean, I think as, you know, for Christians who are listening, there's a sense, right, that like, we know that's not the right way. We know that the gospel of Jesus is different. And yet we can't seem to kind of like get out of this same story of 
you know, follow your dreams, follow your heart, work hard, and all will be well. And I think really what's, you know, what's fascinating to me is when we think about this idea of limits, limits are really good. They're actually God-given limits, right? We're good in creation before sin entered the world. But one word that we tend to use for sin is transgression. And if you look at the word kind of etym- etymologically, you the the word transgress means to like go beyond. It means to literally like go past a limit. And so when Adam and Eve in the garden chose to go, they went past the good guardrails of God's limits, like this is, you are not to eat of this tree. And instead they wanted to kind of create for themselves this godlike power that they didn't have access to. And so when sin entered the world, I think since then we have continued to try to transgress or go past our natural human creaturely limits, because ultimately we want to create, you know, our own realities. We want to be responsible for our success. We want the glory for ourselves. And, you know, we don't feel like we can rest because we feel like we have to keep providing for ourselves. And as we know, that's totally exhausting. So you have a PhD. You've just written a book. There must be a certain amount of drivenness within you that, and yeah. I'm writing as I, I'm as I speak to you, man. That's me, right? Like, yeah. I'm believing everything you're saying, and yet I hustle like it all depends on me, even though yeah. I know it doesn't. So what's with that? How come we're so disconnected from what we know is true? I yeah, I just must be like the human way after the fall. It's got to be because it's so innate with, and we're also fed, you know, the heavy diet, not only Disney movies. But, you know, this kind of in my American context, right, like even all of our early American literary heroes are always the ones who are like going to the edge of the frontier. And, you know, so like so much of like our stories or good movies, right, about the Lone Ranger and the hero and are all of that are really promoting an anti-gospel <laughs> that says like you have to keep hustling and performing and you can't stay in community because your community is probably, you know, wants to hold you down and hold you back and you have to go out and create your own identity. And, you know, there's a sense, I think, in the drivenness, it's not bad to work hard or to be driven or have ambition, but ultimately if, you know, our drive or our ambition is something that we find ourselves serving or you know if you're sick if you have an autoimmune disease if you feel the limits of your body or your time and you don't pay attention to those we can begin to see oh i think my ambition is misplaced or misdirected so it's it's not necessarily getting rid of ambition, but as right. as the book title or as the book talks about, it's really redeeming that, right? And right. and trying to yeah, what's what's underneath that, and mm-hmm. how to bring it under the the lordship of Christ and mm-hmm. and, and turn it into worship. So mm-hmm. and I even wanna... that there are seasons too, right? You know, mm-hmm. there there may be seasons where you are working really hard, or you know, you have to hold down multiple jobs to help support your family, but it's not to say then that that might be our reality all of the time. And to to respect that seasonality even of our lives, I think is an important thing too, instead of I have to be going at full force all the time. So where I am, if the traffic light turns green and you hesitate for yeah. one, even a, a half a second, <laughs> right. you, know, you hear the car horns starting yep. to go. And if I have a feeling if you talk to people and said, why are you in such a hurry? They really wouldn't know. And yeah. what I love about your book is you talk about hurry and hustle isn't just about 
our schedules. It's really about our our souls, right? It's about the state of our soul. So how do we begin? I mean, I wish it were just changing our calendar because then it would be right. here's three hacks right. how can we actually deal with the soul of the issue which is mm-hmm. you know maybe embracing our limits and and the fact that we are created beings who have limits you know i i think our limits if we let them they can be like that dashboard warning light right that when we hit a limit and we find ourselves you know resenting or blaming or falling into shame or ignoring our limits then falling apart there's so many different unhealthy ways that we kind of come up against our normal human limits, you know, and if we begin to see them, okay, maybe my limit is like the light on my car that tells me that there's something going on (laughs) underneath and I need to actually begin to pay attention to it instead of seeing it immediately as like something to fight to move past or shove down. I think that might be one kind of practical way that we can begin to lean into them. And then secondarily to bring our limits to God. I think our limits ultimately are invitations to knowing God. And we see that in the life of Jesus, right? He, he, of course, was um, God in flesh, but he was also human. And you see him napping throughout the Gospels. You see him going out in the quiet and the dark to pray to his father. You see him choosing to heal, but he's not healing every single person in Palestine. You know, that there are limits to his attention, to his work. You know, he wasn't like taken off in airplanes because there weren't those, you know, all around the world to like create this big platformed ministry. He, you know, he was a local teacher and preacher and healer. And I think that's just a really great reminder too, is that our limits ultimately are invitations to be in embodied community, to pay attention to what the spirit of God is doing, to practice the presence of God, and then to just like follow what he is doing. And so you see Christ, for instance, in one of the wilderness temptations, instead of choosing to like turn the stone into bread, as Satan is tempting him to do, he chooses to wait, right? He's waiting on God, the father, instead of like taking life into his own hands And so you see him, obviously the limit of his hunger, the limit of his body, but instead of like, I'm going to solve this and work past it. Instead, he submits himself to the will of the father, choosing to wait instead on his leading and direction. And I think that's just a beautiful reminder for us, for those of us who want to hustle and hurry and make our plans happen to begin to say, okay, here's my limit. Can I bring it to God? Can I press in? Cause he knows this limit right now. And is he good enough that I can wait for him to show me what's next? I think part of our limits is dealing with our smallness. I was listening to Karen Swallow Pryor on a podcast the other day, and she was saying, you know, we have this uh, real temptation to build our platform these days. Mm -hmm. And almost like we really don't matter unless we're getting noticed and retweeted and are, you know, getting our follower count up there. Mm -hmm. And she said, it's really a betrayal of, if you think of a Russian peasant who lived centuries ago that was known (laughs) to nobody but his or her family, right? And and died and is completely forgotten, no historical record today. They're like, really mattered (laughs) and yet today we measure everything by Mm -hmm. yeah by how big we are so talk about smallness is Mm -hmm. that related to limits is Mm -hmm. how do we be okay with being small and not necessarily doing big things but ordinary things Mm -hmm. you know i love so many things that jesus uses in the gospels to talk about the kingdom of god they're really small things right like yeast and even a pearl and a net and you know different ways that he's talking about what is the kingdom of god like and 
they're small things designed to do something, right? Yeast isn't like flashy or amazing and like it doesn't really draw attention to itself, but it does um, help bread to rise, right? Dough to rise. And so I think I think it's only right in the kingdom of God too that we know that our smallness is a gift, like that we get to be creatures, we get to be children. And that secondarily that not only is it a gift to us, but it's also a gift to other people. And so when we're not like having to rush around or try to like puff ourselves up and pretend that we're big, <laughs> we can not only rest in who God says we are, we're children, we're loved, we're cared for. He knows the hairs on our heads, but also then that invites us into a sense of purpose that doesn't, isn't grandiose, that we're actually able to pay attention to people and ask good questions and meet them where they're at instead of like needing even our service to be kind of self-referential. But yeah, everything, as you're saying, right, asks us, you, you only matter if you're big, right, if you're important. And what's so great about the gospel is, you know, this ragtag group of 12 uneducated, mostly fishermen become, you know, the first witnesses to something that has spanned millennia now, because ultimately, right, when we are weak and it's through our weakness, that God will show himself strong. But that only happens if we have a sense of being cared for and seen by God, where we experience that sense of spaciousness in our relationship with him and in community. Because I think otherwise, we can even use the idea of smallness as a way to like flatten people or ourselves to kind of act like the doormat. But there is an appropriate smallness and creatureliness that we definitely need to recover. I have a feeling one day when I forget who said it, you know, the, the uh, question, where is the greatest preacher in the world? Mm-hmm. And the answer was, well, nobody knows who this person is. They're <laughs> right. probably preaching to, you know, 40 people in some right. church that nobody's heard of. Yeah. And yet God knows them. But yeah, that we, we somehow think it's the people who have the platform and mm-hmm. are celebrities that are significant. But yeah, I mean, I'm so thankful for the so-called yeah. small people because they're right. the ones that, I mean, nobody big has really influenced my life. The people right. who have influenced my life the deep in the deepest, most significant ways yeah. are all people who are not well known. And I'm so yeah. thankful for that. Yeah. Ashley, could, what's the uh, impact of the technological world of on our limits and living a spacious life? How mm-hmm. do we do that in a world of, you know, 24 seven, mm-hmm. nonstop, endless mm-hmm. scrolling? And, you know, how do we how do we deal with technology and how that seems to fight against us living yeah. a spacious life? Yeah. You know, I think the lie of technology is, you know, that we can always be on. And it also just kind of gives us a sense of like we can be everywhere at once, right? Like you can be in and out of conversations with all these important people on Twitter. You can be, you know, posting pictures on Instagram and like interacting with people. And, you know, social media particularly can give us this false sense that we, we are not limited in our time or our bodies or our places. And so we can be having conversations with people all around the world, which part of that is amazing, you know, to be able to interact with a famous pastor or, you know, you read an article and then you get to actually like interact with their ideas with that person. I mean, none of that was really possible all that long ago. And yet, when we are kind of formed by that, and especially as that maybe takes up perhaps too much of our time, we begin to also flatten people out. You know, you just think of 
everybody shouting um, on Facebook about all of the various ways in which we have become extremely polarized in the last year and a half. And like, that's not creating real community. (laughs) It's not probably um, giving Christians a good name. And there's so much, I think, out there that when we engage uh, in social media, particularly in technology, you know, more generally, we can tend to kind of elevate ourselves to this godlike position. I know all the answers and here I'm going to like perform all the answers for you. And I don't actually feel the constraints of my body in my place. So, you know, for instance, maybe there's some political issue you're disagreeing with, like with people in your neighborhood or your local church. If you're sitting around a table, you're not going to just like stand up and shout at them and lambast them. You're going to actually like have conversation. You're sharing a meal together. You're going to ask questions and social media kind of just takes it to flattened pictures where we're screaming at one another. And so I would encourage us as we think about how we are present online to try to remember like on the other end of the screen, right? Those are people with families and jobs and, you know, bodies and communities and, you know, with real limits on their time. And so to begin even to say, might I ask questions um, of people instead of just, you know, someone told me the other day online that, because of a decision I had made that I was therefore scared and didn't trust Jesus. And I was like, actually, you know, please don't ascribe to me motives that I, you know, haven't actually said. I would like to have a conversation though. So I think, I mean, that's just one maybe practical way that we can think through our interactions online. But even just to say, to realize, you know, when you open up your phone, what is it that, what kind of limit you might be pushing off, right? You don't want to wait in the grocery store line or you're feeling angry or anxious. And so you turn to social media. And so to remember that these limits too, that are informing even our presence online can, should first be taken to God and he can sit with us in them. And we don't always have to show up online with, with asking the, the technological aspects to actually shape us or soothe us <laughs> or make us feel okay. Mm-hmm. I remember leaving my phone home one day and I I couldn't believe how many times I reached for my yeah. pocket. It was yeah. kind of scary. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, almost like a, it, the soothing is a good term for it, right? Mm-hmm. It just feels unsettling to not have that yeah. technology with us. And mm-hmm. that's a kind of a weird thing when you think about it. It is. I want to switch and ask, that's a very modern question. I want to Mm -hmm. go back to a very ancient uh, practice and ask you, how does rest and Sabbath in particular help us to leave or sorry, to live a spacious life? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, I think, and, you know, to kind of tie this into the technology question, I love how Andy Crouch in his book, TechWise Family talks also about, you know, having, he has a kind of a mantra to leave your phone off and out of sight for an hour a day, a day a week and a week a year. And, you know, part of that is really kind of instituting rest and Sabbath into our use of technology as well. And I think what's so beautiful about the story of the Bible is that rest is actually what orients our work. And so, you know, the Jewish Sabbath, particularly in the day, start starts in the dark, right? It starts when we are helpless, when we can't do anything, when we can't like make our bodies do all of the amazing things that they do that sleep provides. And like, it's from there that our work proceeds, that our work comes out of rest and it is not something like a device our bodies aren't devices right where we work really really hard and then fall and collapse you know because we're we're tired and i think unfortunately in most north american contexts we are working 
to earn our rest. And we're also, we think of ourselves in technological terms. We, you know, like we're like our iPhones that we plug in at the end of the night. And so we only rest because we can't work any longer. And so if we are able to flip the script and say, actually rest is a gift from a good God and Sabbath shows me that I am really incapable of providing all that I need, not only my body, but my soul and my mind and my community, it it kind of reorients us from thinking of ourselves as technological or mechanistic things and actually as creatures, as beloved children of God. But it has to kind of like get into our bones, like into our our processes and our habits and our, you know, weekly rhythms. Um, but that I haven't figured out how how to do that well at night very well. I usually just kind of like collapse, but I am trying to like, okay, if you know, I, I'm going to make sure to not check email past like 6 p.m. and, you know, take a bath or read a book to respect the limits of how much information we can take in. And Sabbath too um, begins, it's a little bit tricky because my husband's a pastor. So Sunday is a work day, really. But, you know, for us, we even just try to, you know, take a nap on Sunday afternoon or we we have dessert. I make sure we have dessert on Sunday. So it feels like something special. And AJ Swoboda has written a book called Subversive Sabbath talks about you know, that Hebrew children would be woken up on the Sabbath with honey, you know, that they would always know that the Lord's day is sweet. And so our little you know, our thing and our family is we make sure we have dessert at least on a Sunday. And so some of those kind of rhythms are ways that we remember in our bodies that we're cared for and we're seen and we don't have to prove ourselves. And it also does help us actually work well, you know, but that's not the point. (laughs) The point is to first receive and then secondarily to see our work in response to what we've been given. It's an, such an amazing gift, and I always find it funny how we struggle to receive that gift. Yeah. We, it's it's so weird because, yeah, I mean, it's just an incredible, how loving is God that he's like, right mm-hmm. from the start, I'm going to begin from mm-hmm. uh, like day one for the first created beings is, okay, it's rest day. Yeah. So it's so gracious of him to do that. Yeah, I know. You'd be like, okay, let's get at it. <laughs> So Ashley, help us. I know this is a big question. How can we, in the book, you talk about how our no's, saying no, makes room for the right yeses. Mm -hmm. So how do we begin to even know what to say no to Mm -hmm. so that we can begin to create margin in our lives to say yes to other things? Mm -hmm. You know, it's so tricky. And I think it's just wise to remember, like, we're going to mess this up. We're not going to do it right. We'll probably say no to things we should have said yes to and yes to things we should have said no to. But I think... You know, I think often when we hear about this idea of limits and we're like, oh, that sounds amazing, like to actually respect the limits of my time and attention and my body, we can tend to think, though, that the limits then are just like whatever makes me happy. Right. So, like, I don't want to set up church on Sunday, so I'm going to say no to that. You know, Um, But I think, you know, God's God given limits really are the invitation to to know him and to become more like Jesus. And we can see in the life of Christ, it wasn't like he lived this life that was like always up and to the right, right? His limits led him to death. <laughs> and I want to just encourage listeners, you know, as you're thinking about what do I say no to? What do I say yes to? It's not just about you. <laughs> and the freedom that Christ has set us free from is freedom from sin. And it's also freedom for, right? It's freedom for others. And so what that might look like is that love often looks like 
the addition of constraints, right? We see Jesus who has limited himself, limited himself for the sake of love, which means he's, he's constrained, right? That, so sometimes our limits as we love other people are not going to feel like this expansive spaciousness. But I think we find that sense of spaciousness and that sense of rest when we bring even those hard limits and we participate in them with God, because ultimately he is our spacious place. You know, Paul talks about, I've learned the secret of being content, right? In want and in plenty. And so our, the sense of spaciousness isn't dictated by our circumstances. And yet we find as we kind of maybe protect Sabbath, that may be one kind of way in which we choose to say no, right? We, my kids, we, we don't play soccer on Sundays and that doesn't always feel good, <laughs> but, you know, to choose to protect the Sabbath as a day of rest is one way that you can then you're spending time as a family. You are choosing to delight yourself in the things that God has created you know, in his creation. You're choosing to hide yourself in him and participating in worship. And all of these things, I think, kind of retune those muscles to know and follow the spirit about what I should say no to and what I should say yes to. But I, you know, I, I don't really have like a hard and fast rule. Like, how do we say the right nose, but I trust that, you know, as I'm following and prioritizing the sort of rhythms, whether, you know, it's that daily prayer and throughout the day, practicing Sabbath, you know, and then also saying, what are the things that God's made me in and how has he called me and what is my vocation and how can I follow him in that? There are also kind of good starting questions, but, you know, I think it's a lifelong journey to figure out what are the right no's. What are the right yeses? And then probably repent when we've said too many yeses and the wrong no's. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm fascinated that you wrote this book. I think authors usually write books because they're passionate about a topic, but also because maybe this, I, at least I find with me, mm-hmm. it's because I really am trying to wrestle through something myself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what could you give us a bit of a, a sneak peek to the, you know, your life and what led you to write this book? Yeah. You know, I think I was just so frustrated initially with kind of all of these, you know, even they're labeled kind of Christian self-help books, you know, that are, you know, selling like hotcakes and are not you know, gospel focused. They're, you know, about working really hard and, you know, what really matters is your own self-identity that you self-create and you need to kind of uncage yourself and you know express yourself and the way that you do that is by working really hard through hustle and hurry and that is shackling all of us and you know while much in our world would say yes that's how you make a name for yourself and this is what it looks like with ambition that's not the way of jesus and yet I think I realized, especially as the pandemic wore on and I was working on this book, like we didn't need more arguments. We really needed an invitation. We needed like our imaginations kind of stoked for what does a life with Christ look like, you know, meditating on and the verses about Jesus's yoke being easy and it's burden light. Well, like most of us don't feel like that. And so I really wanted to press into this paradox of our, our constraints and our limits are actually the things that will lead us towards God and lead us towards flourishing. But I also realized a lot of it was, I was thinking about what would I want to write to my younger self? And we have four kids. 
we're all pretty close together. And I just remember some of those early days, especially just feeling overwhelmed and exhausted and thinking about, you know, a young woman, a younger version of myself, maybe in a similar situation. And she's feeling her limits, but they don't feel freeing. And so what, what did she need to hear? And what did I need to hear more than a decade ago? And then a lot of us like entering middle age and trying to figure out, okay, my life I live now wasn't what I imagined my life to be. And maybe we're experiencing a sense of angst or malaise and like, what do we do with that? And is God still good? And, you know, even if we have all these ambitions that maybe haven't panned out, you know, accordingly, you know, can we experience a sense of satisfaction and contentment no matter where God has placed us? You know, Wendell Berry says we, we live the given life and not the planned. And I think I've often kind of dug my heels in and wanted I want to, I wanted my planned life, but trying to experience again and again, that God's given life is the good life. And even if it looks very different than I would have planned. I hope that people pick up your book. I can't picture too many people who wouldn't benefit from reading it <laughs> and thinking about its ideas. I know I need to read it and I've been reading it and enjoying it a lot. And oh, I'm you. trying to read it slowly because mm-hmm. I don't want to just skim through the book. I actually yeah. want to learn the lessons in there. Right. So yeah. I just appreciate what you've written so much. Thank you. Let me ask you just um, two quick questions as we mm-hmm. close. What have you been learning recently and what's been encouraging you recently? Yeah. Well, I think. I'm realizing how much a discipline is of, of this spacious life. It's very funny because I'm, as this book is coming out into the world in a few weeks, you know, since when we're recording this, usually like they're trying to tell authors, you got to hustle and hurry, right? Like other, like, otherwise there's not going to be buzz about your book. And I'm like, well, I can't really do that when the whole message of the book is to not, you know, to give hustle and hurry, um, you know, kick to the curb and instead to embrace the loving limits of Jesus. So I've noticed just how much it's a discipline to choose a sense of the goodness of limits. And so things like, you know, set daily prayer has been really helpful for me to like stop what I'm doing, stop my productive work um, in the middle of the day or yeah, taking a Sabbath. And that has been really transformative for our family as well as to choose to relocate your, yourself in the story of God instead of like, let's keep working harder. Um, and what am I enjoying right now? Well, we, we recently moved from California to Colorado. So I've really enjoyed just being by the mountains again. And some of the trees are beginning to just change a little bit. And that has been, that's been a gift uh, again in Southern California. We have seasons, but they're not quite very variable. So it's been really fun to just notice another part of the world and another another way that God's really creative in what he does. Yeah, that's very cool. And where can people find out more about you? Yes. So the easiest way is if you head over to my website, which you can find at aspacious.life. And there I have a free little hustle habit quiz and a roadmap to help you get out of that rut of whatever hustle habit you have, as well as a link to pocket practices, which are kind of spiritual formation cards that go along with the book, which are a helpful tool to try to integrate the sense of spaciousness in your daily life. So that's the easiest thing. And then I'm I'm at social media at AA Hales as well. Thank you for your work. I really appreciate it. Thank you for your life, too. I appreciate you and your husband, Bryce. And Mm -hmm. uh, it's so good to talk to you today. Oh, it's so fun, Daryl. It's been such a treat. Thank you.